my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of the HR Sound Off podcast show. My name is Julie Turney, and I am your host. How are you doing today? I hope you're having a great day wherever you are in the world listening to this show. And I want to take this opportunity to just say, continue to do all the great things that you're doing, HR. You're putting in the time, you're putting in the work. And even if no one else sees you, I see you, I hear you, keep going. So today we're going to be talking to my guest, Kevin Campbell. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. It's good to see you. Good to see you as well. Awesome. So Kevin, why don't you start off by telling everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, uh, I'm an employee experience scientist with Qualtrics, and I also have uh, a very small coaching practice uh, by the name of Lifted Leadership. Um, and my role is essentially to help organizations and leaders um, identify gaps between where they want to be with regard to experiences and where they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do that through the use of employee listening, uh, customer experience feedback, and organizational psychology. Uh, my background mm-hmm. is as an organizational psychologist, and um, I also studied uh, positive psychology under the, the co-founder of the field. Um, so I take my experiences from working with uh, lots of different organizations and, and my background in organizational psychology, and I use that uh, to help workplaces and leaders improve the experiences of their customers and their employees. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Kevin. I appreciate it. Now, I think that's something very interesting that you just mentioned in terms of what you do, being an employee experience scientist. And that's something that might be quite fascinating, especially for our younger listeners. What does people experience science entail? And, and how did you pivot your career into that from organizational psychology? Yeah, I think those two questions are really related. Um, employee experience science or people science is something that sits at the intersection of a couple of different fields related to mm-hmm. human resources. Yeah. Um, so if you think about it like a Venn diagram, and of course the EX scientist is talking about Venn diagrams, right? <laughs> but <laughs> think of a, a Venn diagram with three circles, right? You have people mm-hmm. analytics, yep. which is sort of like the HR data science, mm-hmm. and then you have organizational psychology, which is more the the domain expertise around mm-hmm. how people operate at work, and then you have. Uh, HR consulting or HR practice is that third diagram. Uh, People science or employee experience science really sits at the intersection of those three things. Mm -hmm. Um, Where as an organizational psychologist knows about uh, the theories and the research and um, uh, understands why things relate to each other in a certain way and can tell you 
what's been done in the past around exploring this issue. Um, mm -hmm. And then the people analytics person can tell you, okay, these two things correlate, or here's how we use the data to get where we want to be or have mm -hmm. a, a deeper understanding. And then the HR practitioner slash consultant knows the reality of what it takes to actually. Yeah. To yeah. <laughs> so people science sort of sits at the intersection of in those section. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I always knew that I wanted to go into something related to this space when I decided to make the career pivot into organizational psychology. Um, so uh, I have two sort of HR origin stories. There's like the 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 first one, and then there's the other one, right? So right. So give us give us both. Give give you both. Okay. So give us both. <laughs> yeah. When when I was about ten years old. Um, I was, it was just, you know, me, my, my mom was a single mom and, and my, my younger sister. And my mom had a really, really horrible experience at work. Um, to make a l very long story short, she crawled out of uh, her job on her hands and knees, dripping in tears and sweat from just physical, psychological and emotional exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And... Um, that led to a series of events that um, made it so that we lost our home. Um, and a lot of that stemmed from her experiences at work. Yeah. Uh, and that, that really stuck with me. Right. Um, and it's a big part of the reason why I do what I do now, because I believe that when we improve people's experiences at work, not only does it have a better outcome with, for the businesses and the leaders that, that run those businesses, and are in charge of those workplaces, but it also leads to stronger families and stronger communities and a stronger society overall. Yeah. yeah. Um, can't say I went into HR right away though. You know, uh, right. I, I grew up uh, from very humble beginnings. So I wanted to make as much money as quickly as possible. So <laughs> I, I ended up going into the, the subprime mortgage business of all places. Okay. Um, and I was making, yeah. And I was making more money than I thought was even possible, but I was absolutely miserable. Mm. And when the market crashed, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it, it gave me the opportunity to really ask myself, you know, what do I want to do with my career? Yeah. Um, and I took every psychological assessment available to try and answer that question. Uh, and uh, the, the best one um, that was really, really in depth um, led me to the place of saying that I should either be a business consultant or a psychologist. Mm. And I had never even heard of organizational psychology, Pro probably couldn't have spelled organizational psychology. <laughs> uh, and I also read this book um, by this gentleman by the name of, of Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, Hungarian-born psychologist, um, who was the first person to identify um, this idea of flow. Um, and it's when you're completely absorbed in what you're doing because it's really challenging, but yeah. you're also perfectly matched to the challenge, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Athletes call it being in the zone. Yeah. Uh, chess players I, experience it, right? Yeah. I call it being in the pocket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, he was the first person to really like study this scientifically. And yeah. I and after that book, I was like, okay, I need to figure out what I can do as my next career yeah. to be able to experience that. And that's why I took all these assessments. Mm -hmm. And um, so at the end of it, I was like, okay, business consultant, psychologist, maybe there's something that combines both. Um, and I'm into this kind of positive psychology stuff because this Mihai Csikszentmihalyi person sort of is all about positive psychology. And it turns out there's yeah. only a couple of programs in the U.S. that combine positive psychology 
and organizational psychology and business. Mm. And there was one that was about 45 minutes away from where I grew up, Claremont Graduate okay. University. So I sent away for the brochure and the brochure gets back to me. And the person that started that program was Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Mm. So I, I, you know, I, I took it as like some sort of, you know, sign Fine. from the line. Yeah. <laughs> completely reoriented my career toward mm-hmm. going in direction. And I, I come to find out that the most fo- folks that don't stay in academia uh, in organizational psychology either go into coaching or HR. Right. Uh, and I, I, so I was like, okay, well, I, I know nothing about HR. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've been a salesperson for a long time. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can use my sales skills some way. And that's how I, I ended up in recruiting. Yeah. Um, and I eventually became a recruiter for Google. Mm. Um, and at Google, that's when I really realized like, okay, here I am working at the best place to work according to all the workplace lists. Yeah. But I still see some people that are really, really happy and engaged in their job and other people that only put in minimal effort and, and really don't want to be there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's not ping pong tables and massage chairs and free food that makes people happy at work. Yeah. What is it that really makes people happy it's at work? Happy. And that's what made me mm-hmm. even more interested in, in going to school mm-hmm. for organizational psychology. And I've been you know, spending the last 10 years of, of my career really answering that question and helping organizations kind of... Um, uh, figure out what the business opportunity yeah. is as a result of answering that question to say like, what makes people truly happy at work Yeah, and and how can organizations become even more successful by figuring mm-hmm. that out, what that is for their people and putting that into action. So. Awesome. That's a really interesting origin story or origin stories um, coming to the fore there that push you into where you are today. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that it's so important. And that's why I always ask that question, like, you know, where did you get your start? Because I believe so many people have different ways of expressing how they got into HR or how they got into people experience. And some of it's lived situations that, you know, cause them to want to pivot and say, I don't want to be in this space or I don't want this to happen to me. Um, or I'd like other employees to be able to have good experiences. That's kind of like why I got into HR as well. So I really do appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Yeah. So employee experience science, how does it work? So the first time I heard about people science was through my exposure to um a company called Culture Amp, which I think you're familiar with. Um, and that was where I first got my baptism into people science and, and what it's all about and how it works with surveys through the services that they've created. And so tell me a little bit about how you go about going into organizations and really discovering what it is that makes people happy at work. Yeah, I think it really starts with questions. Yeah. Um, there's so much data out there mm-hmm. uh, and having answers, there's almost, almost too many answers. Answers are in abundance. Yeah. So it really starts with what do you want to know about your people? Um, and maybe there's even a step before that that says, where do you want to go with your organization? What kind mm-hmm. of company do you want to be? Mm-hmm. What's, what's the purpose that you're trying to fulfill in the world? Yeah. Um, because once you have those aspirations clearly in mind, you can start to think about how do our people 
help us address those aspirations? And what do mm -hmm. I need to know about our people in order to be able to make those aspirations mm. reality? So, yeah. you know, it's as simple as, hey, we ha we're a, a quick service restaurant with 3,500 locations now, and we want to double that uh, to 7,000 within the next two years. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you're going to need a lot more people for that. Yeah. So, so people science will, will, will answer the question of, okay, well, how do you attract people to your organization? What yeah. keeps people at your organization? Mm -hmm. um, what are going to be the challenges associated with that? This is a real world example. Quick service restaurant that wanted to go from 3,500 people, uh, excuse, excuse me, 3,500 locations to 7,000 locations in a few years. Only 50% of their store managers felt completely prepared to take mm. on the role they were in. Wow. And that's with just the current 3,500 stores that they had, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so it, you know, it, it, people science begins with, with really, you know, the, the scientific method of mm -hmm. um, what do you want to know? Or what do you think you know? What do you want to mm. put the test? Mm. test yeah. Right? That's another big one. Um, yeah. You know, what are uh, another great example is I was working with a cybersecurity company in the Bay Area in 2021, and um, they noticed that they had above average attrition, mm -hmm. their traditionally underrepresented groups. But those groups on their engagement survey had a higher engagement score than other folks. So it's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, why are people leaving at a higher rate? Yeah, not engaged in their work, right? So it's right. a great question to find out, like, why is there mm -hmm. this, this mismatch? Yeah. And, and what they found was, well, first of all, they were they were looking at traditionally underrepresented people the wrong way because they were thinking of it as just that when it's mm -hmm. like the experience of, um, you know, one particular group is going to be completely different than the experience of it. So you can't you can't mash people together in that way. And right, right. To, to draw something. Um, but then when you looked at the reasons that people were leaving, it was for things like caring for family members, mm. a career change. Yeah. So things that were completely outside of, I didn't like yeah, my boss, cool. I didn't like my work. So yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. the difference, right? So I think it really, be, it really starts from a place of curiosity mm -hmm. and what do you want to know? The same way that it does in org psych, the same way that it does in academia to some degree. Yeah. But, but through the lens of how can mm -hmm. this help us get where we want to go mm -hmm. and to be able to answer those questions and then be able to track that that progress over time. Yeah, I'm, I really feel that that's so interesting. And I got to ask you, how do you get HR professionals to get excited about this kind of stuff? And um, not just HR, but also leaders, um, because I think that it's very important information. It really will help. HR people to be able to connect the dots um, to help their leaders create great organizations, create great experiences for the people in their organizations. But I find a lot of times because HR may be so caught up in the day to day, the, the surface stuff, right? The admin, the payroll and all those kind of things that they don't get really down into the bottom of that iceberg where all that fun stuff sits. How do we get them excited about that, Kevin? Great, great question. Um, I don't think we all have the answer to that, but I think I have a couple of ideas. Um, yeah. I think, I think the there's there's a few. Um, the people that are really interested in this type of work 
tend to be two types of personas that I see. Um, and mm -hmm. they are what I would call business-minded HR professionals. Um, so yeah. people that want to be able to make the case because they know it's already out there. They just need to, to demonstrate it to say like, hey, yeah, the work exactly. I do exactly. matters. The work I do has a connection to customer outcomes or business outcomes. And mm -hmm. I need to be able to make that case with data and with numbers. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one way of driving that is excitement, right? Is like finding finding that for people that mm -hmm. are of that mindset. Uh, another persona is what I would call culture oriented business professionals, right? Yeah. So people that are not necessarily in HR, maybe they're in marketing or sales or another part of the organization. Mm -hmm. They understand that the only way they're going to be able to, to meet their goals is with and through the culture and the people. Yeah. So I think when those two personas can get together, when they can find each other within an organization, mm -hmm. magic can happen. Um, mm. uh, so I think, so, so I think it's like, you know, how do you get your head above the day to day and into the excitement? Exactly. And part of it is, is if you are excited about it, it'll become more top of mind yeah. and you'll start to see those things. It's like, you know, when you buy a new car or you start to look at a particular type of car and mm -hmm. you never noticed how many of those cars were on the road until yeah. you started looking until at you start looking car. for it. It happens what? all the time. <laughs> that happens all the time to me. <laughs> so I think, I think that's part of it. And then, you know, I think another part of it is... Um, creating that experience mindset, right? When mm. we think about all those operational things, um, a lot of times we focus on the outputs and not necessarily the outcomes. Yeah. Like how many people signed up for benefits? How many people were onboarded? How many people went through the program? Um, but what's the real experience that you want people to have as yes. a result? that right like you mm -hmm. want people to exit the onboarding feeling like oh i made the right choice to be here yes. oh, this is a place where i'll have friends and a future and be able to belong right so are, are we measuring just the numbers or are we measuring are we or are we putting numbers around the experience experience mm, which makes a big difference huh oh, because absolutely. then that's how you are able to make products and services better how you're yeah. able to become more agile and you yourself become a more more scientist right because through experimentation then you're able to see what works and what doesn't work by measuring the experience right that's right yeah and it takes a bit of vulnerability right to say yes. like I, I want you to let me know how i'm doing where i can improve what i'm doing well yeah uh, and and Lowering the guard around what comes in and thinking about it from a scientific perspective really mm -hmm. helps to say, like, mm -hmm. this isn't feedback on me, although it is, it's yeah. it's it's information that I can use to use. improve, yeah. make yeah. something better. Yeah. yeah. Don't take it so personal. It's easier said than done. Right? I know. I know. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I always remember this saying, this expression that Dr. Rick Rigsby gave in a graduation ceremony talk that he gave. And he said, ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. Mm. And that stuck with me. Ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. So do I want to be stupid? 
Do I want to let my ego get in the way of me making good stuff from the people I serve? No, I don't. So then let me step aside and say to myself, okay, I don't want to take this personal. I'm trying to create a good experience or a great experience for you. In order for that to happen, I need to get your feedback on what we're doing so far, what's working, what's not, what's not working so that we can create a better experience. So we can either enhance it or dial it back if it's too much. Um, but I don't think employees ever say something's too much, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting because I, it, because, um, the scalpel and anesthetic analogy I've, I've used in, in a different context, uh, or a different, a different, it's very similar saying, and it's, it's, uh -huh. um, you know, grace is the anesthetic for the scalpel of truth. Mm. Um, and I, I, or another way of putting at it is like, uh, a strengths orientation is the anesthetic for hard feedback. Right. Um, so if, if you know that this information is not going to be used against you, right. Only for improvement, mm -hmm. then you can, you can let it in, right. You can, yeah. you can start to do that. That's that open heart surgery yes. uh, to, to really make those changes, cut out, cut out the cancer um, sometimes, but sometimes it's not about, and I think that's another mindset shift. It's not always about solving problems. I talked to, so a lot of this work I've done with bank branch branches yeah. and uh, just amazing experience scores from this one bank bank branch manager that I was coaching. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's an interesting thing because in that work, I was coaching every manager, not just the low performing ones, but also the high performing ones. Right. right. Because that was just an opportunity for them to say like, how do I go from good to great? Yes. And that's exactly what this person said. I said, you know, you have amazing scores. I'd love to learn a little bit about what you're doing so I could share it with other managers. And he says, I don't just break bad habits. I break good habits too. Yeah. So if I see that one of my employees walks the customer out to the door and the customer likes that, why not take the extra step and walk them to the car? Mm. Right. If, if, uh, if, if you notice that your customers react really, really well, when you remember their name, mm -hmm. why not turn it into a game so that all of your tellers and all of your employees try to remember every single person's name. Right. And, wow. and if, if we think about that through the, through the employee experience, it's not always about, you know, create, creating situations where people don't burn out and they're crawling out on their hands and knees. Yeah, like obviously yeah. we don't want to have that, but like, how can you get it so that people that are already doing okay, mm -hmm. doing great. Yes. Right. And I think that mindset makes people open to improvement even more. Cause you're saying mm -hmm. you're whole, you're good enough, just where you are. Like you're doing everything fine. Yeah. So this isn't about making you go from bad to good. It's like, you're already good. But you can be How so can much great. Yes. So more. Yeah. The potential is there for greatness. Let's let's explore that. Yeah. I like that. I definitely I like that a lot. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I hope that it makes people think a little bit differently about how they can move from good to great because there's so much potential in our space to help create better experiences in the organization. What would you say would be like your top tips? for organizations on how they can enhance their people experience? Um, so I like to think about it in terms of ABC123. I uh, recently just wrote, um, just published a, a blog article on the XM Institute. Highly recommend you mm -hmm. check it out. Um, but it's 
thinking about everything with the end in mind and, and being right. radically simple and, and action oriented. So mm -hmm. A is action oriented. Mm -hmm. So when you want to improve people experience, you want to approach uh, improving people experience. Don't think about this as a data analytics project or a research project. Uh, although you're going to use some of those tools, think about it as an action orientation. What, what do you right. want to actually do at the end of this understanding? Mm -hmm. the, the next piece is B, make it business relevant, right? You, got, you have to make it business relevant. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm motivated by improving people's lives at work. And I know that in order to sustain that over the long haul, we have to get people excited about it from a business perspective. Yes. So what connection can we make? Mm -hmm. back to the business, right? If right. we're improving the onboarding experience, as an example, you know, if we can shorten somebody's time to ramp, that's going to have a huge impact on, on business. Yes. We can, if we can turn around retention, if we can make it so that people aren't um, calling out sick because they, they have better well-being, whatever it happens to be, right? What, mm -hmm. What's the connection? And then see conversation-based mm -hmm. because a lot of times people will get the answers, they'll get the data, and then the manager or the leaders or HR, um, well-intentioned, will meet among themselves or meet by themselves with the data and yeah. hatch a plan based upon what they think the plan should be. Mm -hmm. When it's, it's often much more effective to start with a conversation with the people that gave you the data and, and yes. them in what the solution is going to be. So action-oriented, mm -hmm. business-relevant, conversation-focused, conversation-based. Yeah. And then... Uh, when it comes to taking action, um, the communication around that should be as simple mm -hmm. as one, two, three, right? So don't try and boil the ocean. Right. Pick one area to focus on. Uh, so one, do one or two things about it. And then communicate what you've done three times, at least three times through three different channels, right? Yes. Uh, because a lot of times... And this is so true for HR, right? Like HR will make improvements or do things based upon feedback from their stakeholders or from the people. Mm -hmm. And then they won't always make that connection back to, hey, we actually did this because did of this. what you said, right? Yes. Like, you exactly. said X, therefore we did Y. Mm -hmm. And not just say it once through an email, right. but do it through Slack, do it through team meetings, do it through yes. you know posters in the hallway, right? At least three different mediums, at least three times, because look, Learning and, and development professionals tell us this all the time. If you could tell people something once and they remember it, they'd all be out of a job. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's true exactly. for all of us, right? Exactly. Repetition for emphasis is everything. So, so yeah. I mean, I think those are those are the that's like those those are the tips. A, B, C, one, two, three. I think that's the, yes. the, the takeaway. I love those. Doing. Thank you so much for sharing them. Tell us what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would enjoy. So I'm listening to an audiobook, um, and I always end up doing this. I listen to the audiobook, and then I end up buying the physical book because just having mm -hmm. both. Um, but Upstream by Dan Heath, mm. uh, and it's it's all about how do you rather than solving problems where you see the problem, how do you get upstream mm -hmm. to be able to fix that problem at the origin, right? Right. Um, if you have a turnover problem. A lot of times people say, okay, well, we need to do exit surveys to find out why people are leaving. Mm -hmm. And that's a good answer, but it's not the whole answer. No. Because really what you want to look at is 
those people that left, what were they telling you six months ago? What were they telling yeah. you a year ago? What was their yeah. onboarding experience like? And being mm-hmm. able to draw those things together. So uh, Upstream is all about that. Examples from business and government and social programs. And it's mm-hmm. just it's fascinating to think about um, nice. how to get into the Upstream solutions for, for downstream problems. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. Younger, older Kevin, speaking to younger Kevin. What advice would you give yourself about your career? You know, I I thought about this because I saw that you were going to ask this. And <laughs> uh, when my daughter was born and she's nine months old uh, as of uh, as of last Friday, um, I said to my wife, I was like, I can never regret anything that's ever happened in the past up until today, because if anything had changed, I might not have my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> So I, I, you know, I, I'd be reluctant to give any advice, to be honest, <laughs> because I, mean, I don't know how it would influence myself. All the mistakes <laughs> made kind of led me here. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, in, in part, so I think maybe that's the thing that I would say is that, like, yeah. you know, it's not about it's not about getting things right, but it's about learning from everything and, yes. and just you know maybe doubling down on that learning orientation rather than um, getting what you want. It's it's just as important to learn about. Mm-hmm. all the things that are there to learn about along the way. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe that's, that's what I would, I would tell younger Kevin. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you for sharing that. So here's the big question. What's the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? Uh, I think I almost made this misconception, and I think it's a it's the use of language around mm-hmm. HR, uh, and I see this coming both from other parts of the business as well as HR itself, mm-hmm. and it's referring to other parts of the business as the business, mm. right? <laughs> How are we going to get mm. this out of business, right? It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. HR is is just is, as much part of the business, the business more yeah. than departments, right? Um, and and I, I think it's that that mindset shift that's the misconception. Um, uh, it, it is that no, 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 we are the business, right? Yes. Um, and I think it's also for people, you know, it, it, it's interesting, um, even within HR, and I've been guilty of this in the past, it's like, oh, no, I'm organizational development. Oh, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm this, right? Yeah. It's like, no, no, we're all in this together. Um, and, and the more that we can elevate uh, whether we call it people or, or HR or, or, mm-hmm. or whatever the nomenclature of the moment mm-hmm. happens to be, it's like, no, we really, this is the profession that we want yes. to elevate. Uh, and yeah. we are the business. So Nice. Yeah. I love that. I've never had anyone say that before. So thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah, my pleasure. Definitely important. We are the business. So <laughs> we're getting to the business. We are the business. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So what's next for Kevin Campbell? I think um, uh, having more conversations like this, um, you know, I it, I love doing work with organizations. And I think I always want to have that and to mm-hmm. keep myself honest. But I think the, the multiplier for really improving things overall is going yeah. to be not just helping this organization, helping this person, but how do we collect the learnings across organizations and amplify 
and spread that message. So yes. I want to continue doing the work that I'm doing and take every opportunity I can to make sure that I'm almost working myself out of a job. Mm -hmm. uh, because the more, the more that we can spread this knowledge and information, yeah, the better. Um, the the less there will be a need <laughs> for yes. folks like myself. Um, yeah. So that that's that's what's next. Nice. Awesome. I like that. Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your insights and knowledge and giving us your time and your energy. I hope that more people will look at this field and, and see it as something intriguing to explore. I know a lot of times when people think about HR, they just think about the, the core things that they know about HR, but there's so much more and there's so much um, more exciting things to do in our space if you just take time to explore it, to discover it a little bit more. So thank you for coming and sharing your journey as a people experience scientist with us. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for joining me for this episode of HR Sound Off. I hope that you found it useful. You can find this and all of the episodes of HR Sound Off on all major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it, we're there. Remember, HR Sound Off is created by HR professionals for HR professionals. If you would like to share your story, then reach out to us and let us know. Make sure to hit the notification bell and subscribe to HR Sound Off on YouTube as well as Podbean. And we'll see you again when we next sound off.